Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Mountain View Church, Sunnyside. For gathering times and location, find us at sunnyside.mountainview.org. Good thing that becomes a God thing that always turns into a bad thing. One of the good things for us is that we have assurance about things. Like we know the way that things are supposed to be. And so with Micah last night, he's in our room saying, I don't know if I should go to camp because... Like, I like my room light when I sleep, and I don't, I don't know if I can, like, bring a lantern. I'm like, yes, you can bring a lantern, all right? If you think the pantheon of dumb things that little kids bring to camp, a lantern is not on that list, especially if it's battery-powered, because you can't start a fire like that. Kerosene, like, no, not, no 10-year-old is bringing a kerosene lamp to camp if he lives with me. That's just flat-out not going to end well. But he wants a battery one. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's good. But the thing is, is my assurance isn't the same as his. When he buys in, when he believes it, then it's a totally different story. For all of us, that assurance, that knowing, knowing in your knower, when that turns into our knowledge, my way of doing things, my way of living, my way of interpreting and and figuring out the world and myself in a relationship with God, when that all turns into what I think that good thing that now becomes a God thing because it's all about us. It's the thing that we worship that's always a bad thing. And that leads us to the last of our seven things. And that's the whole issue of pride. Okay, when we look at, look at the world in just a simple definition, I think it's really easy for us to look at church culture and what church culture has produced. There's a really good, clear explanation of what humility is. It's the bumper stickers that we see on some cars here and other places around town. It's that he is greater than I. That's humility. That's simple. And when we get that wrong in pride, we flip that around. I is greater than he. It's the idea that all sin separates us from God. It pushes us away from God. Whether it's sin in our financial lives, sin in the way that we talk, sin in the way that we eat and treat our bodies, sin in every single area pushes us away from God. But what pride does that's so much different is it doesn't just push us away from God, it tries to push God over. It says, I'm going to be the ruler of my life. I'm the one who makes the decisions. I'm the one who has the final say about everything. Pride doesn't just fight against God. Pride tries to take God out of the situation. Other sins lead the sinner farther away from God, but pride puts the sinner above God. And it happens in two different ways. Uh, and I brought, I brought something. So the first one is that pride puffs us up. Like pride convinces us... Well, that's not working. Let's try this one more time. Cool. Pride convinces us that we're awesome. That we got skills, that we got abilities, there's stuff that we can do, there's an awesomeness that we have that nobody else has. And what it does is it notices our best, it inflicts our best on everybody and then it tries to use that against everybody else uses it as ammo so that we get noticed. And it's not super useful. The second set, the the, the hidden side of pride, isn't like that where we puff up. It's more like this. It's puff down. Instead of I'm awesome, instead of I can do everything, instead of I'm so much better, it's I'm pathetic. I could never do that. Come, please, visit my ego funeral. And see how 
sad my life is. Both those two prides. Like if you look at your life, I'm that in some areas and I'm this in some areas and, and you're the same. What both these things do is they focus on us completely. Whether it's explosive pride or it's the worthless, empty, I'm so sad, I listen to way too much 90s grunge music and everything in my life is torn jeans and flannel and my life is just bad. It's both pride that focuses solely on us. The common denominator in both of these things is obsession with self. And as a holy God, God fights against our pride. God's holy, and so God cannot be in the presence of sin. And it's not always the explosive, I'm better than everybody else pride. Sometimes it's the, just, I, I, I'm worthless, I can't do it. I'm not, I'll never be able to. Pride. God fights against our pride. One of the people who followed Jesus, who's God with skin on, God who became human and lived like us without ever sinning, one of the people who walked around with him for three years and saw everything that he did, wrote this down in 1 Peter chapter 5. As he's trying to explain to Christians, this is who God is and this is how God lives. This is the type of life that he empowers you and me for. Really simple. 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, God opposes the proud. Four words. God opposes the proud. It means God fights against our pride. The Puritans, the, the people who lived up in New England and did the pilgrim and Indian dressing like year-round for them. It wasn't a Thanksgiving thing. It was an all-the-time thing. They had a really great saying about pride. They said that pride is the, is the sin that is pregnant with all other sin. Like you think about it, it starts to show. And then eventually there's a birth somewhere around nine months afterwards. And then out of pride come the other six things that we've talked about. Gluttony, I say that first because that's the one I forget. Laziness. Envy, anger, lust, and one more. Sloth, there we go. It's the six things. All of those come out of a desire for us to worship ourselves. And God fights against it. It's the sin that God fights against because it, it opposes and it fights for God's glory. Quick case study. Let's flip back in your Bible to Mark chapter 8. We get to see this on full display. It says, Then Jesus began to tell them, that's his 12 disciples, the people who were closest to us. Jesus began to tell, him, tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, and he will be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. That's God's glory on display. Pride fights against God's glory. That story right there is God's glory because it's the picture. It's Jesus explaining exactly why he came. That God loves you and me. God loves every person we are ever going to set our eyes on. And within that love, there's an understanding that for you, for me, for every person that we set our eyes on, our lives are wrecked and ruined and separated from God because of our sin. And so Jesus made a plan. Jesus was the plan. Jesus was the answer to come into the world to save the world from its sin. To save you and me from our sin. And he did that by dying. God became human, lived among us, and then died for us. That's what Jesus is explaining right there. It's God's glory on full display. 
And then we continue. Verse 32, as he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter, the same guy who we're reading the letter from, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. It's that moment where God's greatness, God's glory, God's magnitude doesn't fit into our little box of how we think should be, life should be. He doesn't fit into our assurances. And the thing about pride is it, it never tells us, hey, you shouldn't do that. You probably shouldn't sing. You probably can't dance. You have no business talking to that girl. You're married. Doesn't matter where she is. Like, you, you don't. Like, pride always says, yeah, go for it. You should do that. It's a great idea. Definitely not going to leave a mark. That's true in the Bible, just like it's true in reality. Verse 33. So Peter just walks up and tells Jesus, no, 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 I think you're doing it wrong. And then verse 33, Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Like if you look at the things that Jesus says throughout his life on earth, he doesn't tell Peter, get away from me, because Peter's a sinner. He doesn't say that. Because if Jesus didn't talk to sinners, Jesus' whole life would be mute. Like just be a mime Jesus running around everywhere, never saying anything to anybody. Jesus told Peter to get away from him. The same Jesus who says, come to me, all you who are weak and weary, and I will give you rest. The same Jesus who says, come to me, and let me fill you with the Holy Spirit. The same Jesus who calls everybody in the world to come to him, looks at one guy and says, get away from me. And the reason why is because he was full of his own pride, arrogance, and self-worship that said, God, your way is wrong. My way is better. That's you and me in so many different areas. It's because Peter's actions said, I don't need to change anything. My assurances are right. That's not the heart of a Jesus follower. That's a heart of pride and arrogance. And God's glory and our pride are going to collide at one of two crash sites, either in hell or on the cross. This is the only two places. First one is hell. That, that's where we pay for our sins. If we live our whole life saying, I don't want any part of God in my life, then for all eternity, we get what we ask for. And that's a lifetime separated from the love and the presence of God. We spend our lives separated from God's presence, and so we spend eternity separated from God's presence where we pay for our own sins. Pride and arrogance included. The only alternative to that is the cross. The cross is where Jesus paid for your sins and mine. It's not a matter of just being humble enough because good enough isn't God's standard for anybody. Good enough isn't good enough for God because God doesn't ask for good enough. God asks for holy. God's standard is holy. We're going to talk a little bit in, in, in a little bit about what that means, but that's actually good news for us. That only a holy God can save unholy people. And that's exactly why Jesus came. All of us have pride in our lives that separate us from God, and that's going to get dealt with at one of two places. In hell or on the cross. It doesn't have to be the explosive pride. It could be just a, I'm worth nothing, pride. God's glory and our pride collide at one of those two places. And in his goodness, 
He lets us make the decision about which one. So seven decisions we can make today as we've done every week as we've gone through these seven things. And the first one is that has been every week because Jesus' invitation to us is the same every day. It's to become a Christian today. What that means for you, for me, especially if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, is it step one of God uprooting pride from our lives. The second part of, of 1 Peter 5 says, God opposes the proud, right? But he gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. That's what it means for us to become Christians. It's not something that we achieve. It's us resting our lives and our assurances on what Jesus has achieved for us. And the only way that that transfers from him to us is because of grace. That book that we're reading as we head into Easter, there's a few copies there in the back. There's a few copies out on the, the food table as you walk out, and there's a page for where you can follow it on YouTube and pay and all that stuff. Um, but one of the things that it stresses for us this week in the reading was that when we ask Jesus to come into our lives because of what he did on the cross, we don't just end up forgiven and like back to zero. Is He takes our sin upon us, so we're sinless, and he puts his righteousness on us. That happens at the cross. The cross is where we go from sinners to family. And understanding that, understanding where we sit with God helps us to see everything else because it shows us where we came from. We cannot be prideful and arrogant if we realize that our lives are broken and headed to hell without the work of Jesus. We know our past. We know our own issues. We know our sin. We know the stuff that nobody else knows. And apart from Jesus, we do not deserve a relationship with God. And it's not a matter of being good enough. It's a matter of holiness. That means that when Jesus takes your sin, he doesn't make you good enough. When Jesus trades your sin for his righteousness, he makes you holy. Think about like the story that we looked back at, Mark chapter 8. Mark wrote that. It's written by Mark. So you think, is, is, is Mark just blasting Peter? No. Mark wasn't there. The greatest thing about looking at that story and how all these things work together is Mark got all of his information from one source, Peter, the guy who said it. So for Peter to become a Jesus follower, spiritually, not just literally, means that the work that Jesus did in his heart wipes away his past. It reframes his past. It allows him to look at his past in a different way where it's not just stupid things I did when I was younger, but it's things that Jesus has saved me from. That was me, but this isn't me because Jesus came and Jesus changed me. And that can be you today, when you become a Christian. The second thing is to recommit your life to Jesus today. That's the comeback. That's the turn from pride to humility. And Greg Smith is going to come up right now. And Greg uh, is one of the leaders in Regeneration, which is our recovery ministry. Uh, he's been at Sunnyside for a lot of years, uh, and he's going to share with us work that Jesus is doing in his heart and how this can be part for you too. So let's turn it over to Greg. All right, so part of uh, Regen is at the end we share a testimony of all things God has done as you go through Regen. So I'm going to start with my testimony and talk about 
how we can or how you can step into that and what it looks like to work through some of those some of those struggles. Let me uh, share with you. So hello, my name is Greg, and I have a new life in Christ. God is recovering me from sexual sin and seeking the approval and affirmation of others over him. Before Regen, I was facing defeat in my dating life when trying to make big decisions over career and future. I would experience so much anxiety and fear, and I didn't understand why. Each failure or difficulty would lead to a cycle of confessing, feeling bad about myself, and trying to move on. I'd experience growth, but would then be pulled right back in. And each time I would think, well, not only would my pride lead me to these decisions, but my pride would say, no, I got this. I can still try and manage this on my own. But then I decided to come to Regen. When I came to Regen, God slowly began to reveal what was going on. I was seeking the affirmation and the attention of women which would lead to sin, and I would seek to make big decisions that would people please, please others over the Lord. All of these would lead to failure because I wasn't seeking the Lord wholeheartedly. And it would also lead to brokenness and hurt, not only for myself, but people around me as well. But through the process of regen, God affirmed who I am to him over and over again as his son. He has forgiven me over and over, has loved me, pursued me despite these failures, and he has showed me that his approval and his presence is enough. And he also showed me that his paths of righteousness are always best. Though I still struggle, I turn to rapid repentance and confession as tools for victory. I trust that as I keep things out and in the open, he will continue to heal me, continue to restore and it's been good. A region verse that I held on to through the region when I went through it, but also now I continue to speak it over my life, is Psalm 103, verses 2 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who helps all your disease, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. This verse is a reminder to my soul. Despite my sin, he forgives, heals, and restores as I return to him, and he will absolutely do the same for you. So now I get to be involved in regen and helping lead people through what that looks like. And I just want to encourage you, if you're here and you can relate to anything or just have anything at all that you're going through that's rooted in pride or whatever it is, um, to come to Regen to take that step. So if you're a guy in this room and you want to be a part of Regen, I will be the guy that leads you through the first two months. And the guy that will, you'll join next is the guy that was in my group last month or last year, and he's an amazing guy ready to go. And if you're a woman in here ready, wanting to join Regen too, same thing. There are people that are there ready to lead you through that journey, and I would encourage you, take that step. Whether you're in that spot of thinking, I definitely need it, or no, I think I can manage it, or maybe not for me, just come, take a shot, submit before the Lord, and let him lead you through that. Thank you. And I'll be in the back if you have any questions. That's right. We're going to pray for you. So Regen is Tuesday nights at 630 at the main campus on Fowler and Ashland. Jesus, thank you for Greg. Thank you for the work that you've done in him, the work that you're going to do through him this semester, that you are going to use him to bring hope and life and healing and freedom to people. That's what you do, and you use your people to do that. So sharpen him, excite him, build his faith for that this year. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, five more things. Next one is uh, confess your pride to God and those who you have hurt.
thing, but man, that is difficult. That's messy. Yeah, exactly. It's impossible to confess without humility. Because if there's no humility, it's not a confession. It's a humble brag. Okay, without humility, there's no confession. So we confess to God and we confess to those who, have, who we have hurt. And then uh, the next section, verse 6, God shows us exactly what that means. He says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. I, I underlined that big time in my verse, the, or in my Bible, the at the right time thing. Because we also need to confess our need for patience. One of the ways that pride bubbles up in our lives is that everything is late, nothing is right, everything is too darn slow, and we are the exception. It all should work out for us. How do I know that? We're in a time-centric culture. Church is the only place where you sit here and you let something play till the end and not just fast forward it when you start getting bored, right? That's why it's important to be around other people because you can't skip people like you can skip stuff on our phones. As we confess our need for patience, we're stepping into humility because we are giving away time. That's something that matters to us. Our schedule matters the most. And so we step into humility by giving away time. And we confess our need for patience. Next thing is we confess our weaknesses. We confess weaknesses because feeling strong, feeling independent for all of us is going to lead us into a dumpster fire of self-sufficiency and things that we don't need to feel like we need anybody else's help on. I was thinking about it this morning. If we have to run a mile, some of us are going to pray. Some of us are going to pray that you get an Uber like five feet into it. That's not something that I feel like super stressed about. I can do a mile. It's no problem. I got this. And if I carry that attitude into other areas of my life, everything is going to get ruined. Because I got this. I don't need God. I don't need anybody. And that is the way that we end up in destruction. When we confess our weaknesses, when we realize that our lives are actually fully out of our control, we move into humility. And the reality for all of us is no area of our lives, even running or even what you are an expert at, is actually in your control. When we confess our weaknesses, we bring Jesus' power in to be on display in our weaknesses. It's humility that invites in God's presence because he opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. We're submitting ourselves under God's power when we confess our weaknesses. So what does that look like? Verse 7. So far, everything's been a confession, and this is the one where we stretch a little bit. We confess what we need. Confess what we need. Verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. When we tell God what we need, we're confessing that I actually need this. I can't do everything. We're telling God what he already knows, but we're doing it in a way that leads us to humility. We confess what we need. There's certain things that God has equipped us to be able to do. That's a gift. And even within the gifts, there's areas for us to choose humility. For everything that we look at that we cannot do, it's an invitation from God to choose humility over arrogance and to invite Jesus in by telling him what we need. To be weak, to be small, to be 
powerless before God brings God's power into our lives. And the best way to see this over and over and over again is the thing that's been almost every single week. It's to read the Bible and do your shape journal. In the Bible, we see God's unbridled love and affection for you and me. And we get to see life after life and story after story that reflect on us and show us how we aren't the hero of the story, but the hero of the story loves you, loves me. And as we're heading into Easter and we look at the cross and Jesus' death and resurrection, what we see time after time, scenario after scenario, week after week, that God saw how broken and lost we were, and he took the first step for us. That's the story from the Bible, from Genesis to maps. God is coming after his people to lead us out of pride, arrogance, and self-sufficiency into depending our whole lives on who Jesus is for you and for me. Let's stand and pray. Jesus, thank you that you came into the world on a mission You came humbly. You came like us to live among us, to go through all the limitations that we go through, but to never sin. And within that, Jesus, you invite us into a relationship with you. You don't invite us because we're good enough. You don't invite us because we're almost there on our own. You invite us because we are enemies and you want to make us family. You want to make us friends. We're sinners that you want to turn into saints. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to become a Christian, you've never made the decision to ask Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sin, it's the first step of humility to say, I can't save myself. Jesus, I need you to save me. It comes down to three things. One, God loves you. He always has. He sees your pride, your arrogance, and he says, I'm calling you today to follow me. Second thing, as we've made abundantly clear today, I've got sin in my life and so do you. That fights against God, that works to take God out of our lives, that sends us to hell, but Jesus says, I'm going to rescue them through my life, death, and resurrection on the cross. And three, today's your day to say, that's me. Today's your day to begin a life with Jesus today. If that's you, just look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to pray with you and you're going to meet Jesus today. You're going to find forgiveness for your sin today. Is anyone like that where today's your day to say yes to Jesus? If that's you, just look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to pray with you and you're going to meet Jesus today. For the rest of us, part of humility is responding and confession. So as we worship, I want you to ask the Lord, where have I been proud? Where have I been arrogant? And it could be the explosive pride where you're so great or it could be the shadow pride where I'm just so pathetic. God would never do this. That's the same pride that seeks to wipe God out of our lives and put us on the throne. And God wants to deal with both of them today. So whether it's the explosive one or whether it's the implosive, nothing's good. I want us to come up and deal with that at the front this morning. To respond with our feet to confirm what God is doing in our heart. That we're finding freedom from pride this year, this week, this morning. Let's worship and respond to the God who loves us. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more, you can find us at sunnyside.mountainview.org. Now let's go be a church that makes Jesus look good.